So these, for those who are getting here for the first time, you haven't heard me talk about the other stuff, is that we're, there are four sermons in the New Testament that are significant. It's the, Jesus, Peter, uh, Stephen, and Paul. And these four sermons are significant sermons. What they're saying, what they speak about, shifted and changed and shaped um, Christianity as it was folding. Because you've got to understand Christianity started with Jesus. Not the Old Testament, Old Testament Judaism. That's the Old Testament. It's all what it was. Abraham, Isaac, they were the Israelites. And we have all that building up. But Christianity, as what we know, and being called Christians, were the first time as disciples went out. Acts 11, in Antioch, they were called Christians for the first time. And so from that context, what they shared, what Jesus preached, what um, Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, what Stephen preached before he got stoned, and also what Paul, standing there and seeing Stephen, now goes and has this encounter and preaches on Mars Hills, one phenomenal sermon that touches people. Now, a lot of what they wrote and a lot of what there is is significant, but I want to break down just because of these four sermons and where we are. And we're still continuing a little bit with Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 because it is such a long sermon. Uh, it's not uh, just a little quick. We just touched on the first um, 10 lines, <coughs> excuse me, first 10 to 11 lines, and that was just blessed. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall. Now that, that's a powerful piece, to hunger and thirst after righteousness. What am I hunger and thirsting after should be righteousness, understanding my position in God. So, much, so many times in what we've come from, and, and it's good. There was a prosperity gospel that was preached to get people out of poverty, to get us out of a poverty mi mindset. But it's fallen over to another side that if I don't look like that, if I'm not driving a Lambo, I'm not blessed. Like if I'm not flying first class, I'm not blessed. And so that idea of what blessing is has been warped in a place that, yes, God wants you blessed, but your blessing and my blessing might look different. My perspective of what God wants to do in and through me with the funds that He puts in me might look different because what are we hunger and thirsting after is not the blessing but Jesus. Understanding my position in God, that might have a place of blessing. <clears throat> But it, it's not necessarily that that it looks the same way as it looks for somebody else. Walking in the knowing that I am a child of God is what He wants us to walk in. Because you could have all the money in the world, but you get a sickness that nobody can help you with. You need Jesus. No money can help you. Um, I found the other day they had a, this new cure on cancer where um, a, a brand new, and they said they could probably with this cure cancer almost immediately, but a treatment is like, I think, like two, two to three million dollars for this new treatment. Like, who can pay that? Who can even think of what the insurance is? Who can think about the cost of what that is? And the medical bills are just growing and growing and growing, and God can do it in an instant. In a moment. So what am I searching after is not the blessing, but understanding who blesses me, who's the one I'm in walking in, because that's the perspective that's going to change everything. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. So where I want to get to today is talking about the heart. Because in the rest of the chapter, if you read a little further um, in that, um, 
Verse 21, you have heard that it's said of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say, whoever is angry at his brother without cause shall be in danger of judgment, and whoever brother says raka shall be in danger of counsel. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Yes. Like, one hand he's like, guys, listen, you thought it was just murdering? You can say somebody's a fool <laughs> and you're in danger of fire. You hear where perspective, he, he takes it to the heart. So what I want to talk about a little bit is the heart. Because the context of what it is that we have the biggest problem is, is that we carry all this stuff in our heart and we have these two aspects of the heart. Because in Jeremiah 17 it says that the heart is wicked in all his ways. So the basis is, if we think that we are perfect, he comes and he says, well, listen, you fall short. You think you're perfect, you think you're good, but you're not. You need Jesus. But in Jesus, my heart is renewed. What is, what is the old one? Come and give your heart to Jesus. Come and give your heart. That's what I grew up on. That's what bring my heart to Him. Bring my heart to Lord. I give you my heart, because my heart without you. And if we read in the beautiful part in Hebrews where He says, "The soul has an anchor in the holy of holies." So my soul without an anchor, my heart without Jesus is a mess. And that's what Jesus is trying to say to them is that on the outward appearance, and we all know that outwardly, a lot of people look like it's all fine. They live their Instagram life, the best part of their life, the best part of what it is, and everybody thinks it's great, but it's not that great without Jesus. And so what he's going to is the heart, and what I want to speak about what this heart is on the context of no worries. Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing. We're going we're gonna to touch on that, but there is a reason for that because, listen, I can ask you, and if I sit down and counsel with you or have a conversation or a cup of coffee with you, I'm going to find out is that there is sometimes, even though you tried to have all your worries sorted out, you're worried. Uh, I have uh, some friends I know who live in the Ukraine who's now been moved to, um, they've, they've actually left the Ukraine because of the wars that's going on. And even with Jesus and everything else going on, they're worried, right? We have these moments, we have these, this, these situations where we're faced with stuff that's worrying. Worrying about how everything's going to work out. And we, we have a certain way of how life goes. That's okay. It's just kids. Kids talk. You can all relax. <laughs> Luckily, they have a dad that's going to sort them out now. <laughs> the context is, is that worries. Let's talk about kids. Worries. Worries that kids are going to embarrass you in front of the entire church. <laughs> Come on. Worries like that. I remember my dad, one day, 10,000 people in an auditorium. He picks me up because I was a little bit busy. As he carries me out, just at that moment, it goes silent in the auditorium. 10,000 people there. I shout on the top of my lungs, Please don't spank me. And my dad is walking faster going, Sean, shh. And I, please, daddy, please, don't spank me. I shout and shout. Needless to say, I got spanked. 
the context is, is that there are worries. There are these things we carry in our heart that are certain things connected, but Scripture says there is a different way of living. That's where I want to get to. There is a different way we've got to live. Something that is triggered to what that is. And, and so Jesus is speaking to them, and He's talking about the heart, and He's saying that everything leads to the heart. That's where the perspective is. That's what's going on within this context. Um, and he goes through all these this places. Then he comes um, to verse uh, 38 of chapter 5. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Oh, we love those kind of movies, right? Revenge. We're back. We're going to sort them out. They did something to us. We're going to do something to them. They did this. We're going to do that. He said, that's what you know, right? But I tell you, resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the, to him also, the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Did you just read there? Somebody sues you and says, I want your car. He said, well, take my bicycle too. Someone comes, slaps you, pop. You know, like, let's go for the other side. But just remember, once you've slapped the other side, there's no more cheeks to slap. Okay, that's not what he says. <laughs> that's not what he said. That's not what he said. That's, that's Sean. That's Sean's like, make sure you slap hard because I'm coming for you. No, I'm kidding. The context is he says, like, if they sue you, let them have it. If they slap you, let them slap you. Oh, okay. I'm going to show you something today that God has been speaking to me about what He's taking us. And if we don't get the full context of what that looks like, we're going to miss what God wants to do in and through us. Because there is something in the church, something in who we are as Christians, that's got to be different than the world. Big key. Mm, you're very quiet on that one. It's like, mm, Sean, where are you going with this? Um, verse 38. That's where we were at. Verse 39. Um, verse 41 and whoever compels you to go one mile you will go with him a full marathon oh no that's not there you will go too <laughs> I heard yesterday some of the volunteers in the, the hospitality they were walking and then Amanda got them running and, and she's got to walk in someone asked you to come walk one mile with me and you're like no uh, I don't feel like walking one mile with you the Bible says no walk two miles okay <laughs> verse 43 for you have heard say that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Oh, that's a nice scripture. Ne? But let's read further. But I say, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who... Ay! Ay, ay, ay! Who what? Hate you. Yeah, that's a big word. Somebody might dislike you. They might not be that happy with you. But somebody that hates you is just too good to them. You know, as a pastor, that's something you feel a lot of times because one moment they will love you so much. They will love you so much. And then a week later, two weeks later, a month later, maybe you feel they will message you and call you a demon. I've had that happen to me very recently. Luckily, it wasn't someone I invested a lot of time in because it would have hurt even more when you love on somebody and then you, that person turns around in one day and said, you prayed with me for hours. You said hours of time with me. Now, I just WhatsApp you 
or send you an SMS. We don't use SMS anymore, but the context of that and just, I'm leaving church. I'm done with you. And then you have to smile. That's nice. Thank you. Bless those who curse you. Love those who hate you. Do good unto them. Come on, we all have those people that just don't like those situations, those places. I'm using something as an example that I'm not teaching something today that is far away from me, and I'm just giving you a nice idea. I'm teaching you something that keeps this ministry going and that keeps me still in ministry, that keeps my heart pure. Because what he says is stay out of offense. I choose to forgive. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So how did Jesus operate? Jesus is on the cross. He's hanging there. And we think, guys, wow, that's just such an awesome as Jesus. Jesus was human, just like you. Otherwise, he didn't have the right to die in that position. So as a human who's now being left by everybody, who's been, listen, you could have, on a great day, you can handle offense. On a bad day, when you're just not feeling well, then you struggle with what that is on that context. Jesus hanging on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Really? They didn't know what they were doing. They made a choice. The Jews exactly knew what they were doing. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to remove him. So in that moment, what does he say? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. What does he do with Peter? Forgiveness. Peter's his best friend, three years, living with him, sitting right there, being tied up. He looks at Peter. Peter says, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. Three times. And Jesus warned him. Now, that's even more of an offense, right? I told you so. I told you that you were going to, you didn't listen to what I was saying. Listen, Linda. And then he does that. And then what does Jesus do? He comes out of the grave. How does he operate? Forgiveness. How does he operate? Forgiveness. Paul writes, this is Paul, this is the one who's, of course, more offense than anything else. He lives in what the context is of what Jesus said. He writes to the church in Corinth who's struggling with a lot of offense, and he says, no, no man after the flesh. 2 Corinthians 5. Don't look at people after the flesh. Because in the flesh today, listen, I want to tell you, South Africans are incredible uh, drivers. We're just incredible. We love to correct everyone. Like somebody turns in front of you. No, you don't have brakes. Brakes don't exist. You just have a, a horn. You just beep, 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 beep. No, you could have seen the, like your life was not in danger. But you feel that moment, I want to correct this person. This person needs to know that for the rest of their life, they should never turn in front of somebody else. Until you turn in front of somebody else. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Why are you hooting at me? Why are you blowing your horn? We're like that. You could drive anywhere else in the world, you would realize we have nothing compared to anywhere else in the world. And we're not even talking about places like the Philippines or India, where there is three lanes, but there are seven lanes being driven by cars. Seven amounts of cars, bikes in between, craziness. Somebody just goes, beep, beep, put the flick on, and they turn. That's what they, the person turning blows the horn. Here in South Africa, you turn, they blow the horn at you. It's the opposite. And offended at us. So we, we're offended at what that person did. We're offended at what that person said. You find the, the context of Scripture in Romans chapter 5. God says oh, well, to, to Adam, Adam, don't eat of the tree. 
gives him a wife. He has this wife with him. He then commits an offense. And the word there is to fall short. It's the context of it. But it's interesting that he uses the word offense within the English language, and it's the same word he uses later with Cain and Abel when Cain is upset because Abel's sacrifice was accepted and not his. Like God saw him, didn't he see me? It's interesting, one brought a lamb, the other brought produce of the land. Let me ask you a question. Who worked harder for that? The one who did the produce of the land or the one who looked after the lamb? The one of the lamb was just like sitting it up. <laughs> Go, take you to Jesus. <laughs> the other one toiled the ground, planted it, everything, brought it to God, and God did not accept it. It's like, Lord, I worked really hard for this. Then the God says to Cain, offense is at the door ready to devour you. Same word, offense. We read in Romans chapter 5, it says, because of one man's offense, sin entered into the world. So when God comes to Adam, he says, Adam, where are you? He says, Lord, this woman that you gave me. Does that sound like offense? Like, God, I'm blaming you for my mistake. You gave me this woman. If she was not here, woo, single life would have been perfect. It would be me and the lions and the horses. And we just had a fun. And there wouldn't be any trouble with this tree situation. But then you messed it up. And you gave me this wife. I really wanted her, but now I'm reconsidering. Does that sound like offense? Sin entered because of offense. My God, you. The very context of what there was is looking from a place where I don't want... The heart is evil in all its ways. But a heart dedicated to God and or given to Him is different because now in Scripture, in Proverbs, it writes and says, guard your heart more than anything else. So we have Jeremiah saying it's evil, but then we have this place where it says, guard it. Because something shifted in what I'm protecting. Once it was evil and it was dedicated to living a disobedient life, now it's given to God. I've got to protect what God's given because that's where He reigns. So how I operate from that is to live an offenseless life, not offended at anything, forgiving quickly. Mm. that's not easy. That's not easy when it's, when it's really tough or when he says they hate on you. That's when not easy when that word is said and it hits in your heart and you have to for a moment step back and go like, hey, why am I feeling this way right now? Am I, oh, I need to step back and go like, Lord, I need to get this offense out of my heart because the moment I'm going to have it a place I'm not going to move into the next part of what he wants to do. Because here Jesus is speaking to them about the heart, loving your enemy, loving what that is. It isn't just a nice idea. He's giving us the key to truly live. In a, because now, just after this, he teaches them how to pray. And after he teaches them how to pray, he then decides wonders and miracles. So, but he goes first to the heart and going, sort out the heart before you get to signs, wonders, and miracles. We want the miracles, we want the things to happen, but we, we, have, an, we have this heart that's just uh, offended, that's struggling, that's, that's, and that's the problem of the world right now. The problem of the world right now is everybody wants to be right, and everybody has a right. Where scripturally, that's not really in scripture. I don't really have a right. It's just, I've given my life to him. 
And right now, you're really offended because they did you in at business. He says, if they, if they sue you, let them take everything. Do I say you need, don't need to fight back? No, he's saying what's done in your heart in that moment is the difference. What he's saying is, Lord, I still trust you that even if they take me, I'll fight back, I'll put, do my legal part, but if it affects the heart, I need to step away from it. Years ago, a gentleman my dad knew very well, um, phenomenal business, he did a contract with a big company, and, and in this signing of the deal, they pulled out. So he had all the right to sue them for, I think it was two million rand, or two billion rand. That's how big the deal was. Massive deal. And he started fighting them in court year after year. And about two, three years into the fight, my dad was sitting down with him and said to him, I hear what you say today. You, you are owed all that money. You're suing them because they did you in. They, it was wrong. Was it wrong? Yes, it was wrong. They should never have pulled out of the contract. But right now, that's more, that has a greater influence in your life than God. It's consuming more of your thoughts. It's consuming more of your life. It's taking more of your attention than what God is. Let go of this thing. This thing will kill you because you're fighting something that God can do greater things for you if you just let it go. And he never did. Never did. Lost a lot just for years and years. I think the court case is still going on, and I think it's close to 15 years. Some ridiculous fight that they're going on. And the context of that is why, in this place, he says, don't let it go to your heart. If it's consuming what your heart is, it's not where the heart is at. Let it go. Let them sue and get done. Or let that thing go. They're hating you. They're in, the enemies of you. Just let it go and see what God can do. Because if you walk in forgiveness, what can God do? You walk in forgiveness to yourself, what can God do? Maybe you did a bad deal. Maybe you were wrong in that context. Forgive yourself and move on. Forgive, I choose to forgive you. I choose to now operate. I choose to not take offense in this moment. I choose to let this go because that's where no worries come from. Okay, let's, let's jump a little further. Um, this is where I want to go. Verse 6, verse 25. So just before that, Jesus has this beautiful part of chapter 6. You can go read through chapter 6 where he talks about the lamp or the body, the, um, how to see God, experiencing God. He says, we can't serve two masters. You can only serve one. And he gets to verse 25. He says, therefore, uh, let me just put this on. This will help a little better. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into bonds, yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to your stature? So why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They are neither, they neither torn nor spin. And yet I say to you, not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, uh, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows what you need of in all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. 
for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Um, vision for the day is its own trouble. Do not worry about tomorrow. Where is he going with? He just taught them how to pray. He just sorted out the heart. And then he gets to a place where he says, stop worrying. How can I stop worrying? If I sort out my heart. Simple. So simple, but we don't do it. Our heart is offended at stuff. Our heart is so sought up with things that we're not in a place where we're walking in forgiveness, living in that place. Then he moves to a place where he teaches them to pray. What happens in the prayer? Our Father, we chart in him. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it even is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive those who have trespassed against us. Come on, where is he? He's getting into this context of relationship. He's getting into what that is. And then he gets to a place where he says, don't worry. Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing. Let your prayers and requests be made known to God. But I want to give you the, the, the root of it is a heart that is not fully protected in the Word. Let me explain. Proverbs says the following, guard your heart because out of it flows the issues of life. Guard it. Guard it. If you don't guard it, what's going to happen to it? It's going to be hurt. It's going to be disappointed. It's going to be full of, full of uh, um, offense. So now we struggle to pray and we struggle to pray from that place because we consume with the thoughts. And what is that connected to? Worries. And worries start filling in because that didn't come. Now we start looking at our prayer life and say, Lord, well, this was done to me. You didn't protect me. When God says, if they sue you, just give them all. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Yes! They're like, Lord, do good to those who hate me? I don't know. I don't know. I want you to zap them, Lord. So it's not difficult to go and pray because we don't see justice according to our standard. Oh, you see where we're going? See, my justice is based on, Lord, you're going to get them because they slapped me. Is God just a uh, just God? Yes. But God says, it's not for you to worry about that. It's for me. Look to me. Put your heart on me. Set your heart there. Guard your heart. Give me your heart. Give me your attention and let go. Because if you're walking around with that, you're going to sit there for 20 or 30 or 40 years and still being upset with that teacher that taught you at school, that bullied you as a, as a kid, that situations you had, those things that were done in. I could have been so rich, but because of that situation, because of my father, because of that thing. So we live our lives just like Adam when we say, God, the wife you gave me messed it all up. But I cannot live in offense. I cannot allow that to be the thing. I've got to constantly go back to that and go, Lord, I let it go. That person says something, I let it go. That do something, I let it go. In the moment. In the moment, something's done. I let it go. Because what the enemy will do is he'll come and say, yeah, it's, you know what it is? It's because of this. It's because of that. It's, it's because it doesn't like you. It's, it's because of your skin color. Uh, it's because you don't have enough money. Uh, he didn't greet you because you don't, you don't fit into the right club. You're not, you don't have that. That situation. I'm giving simple examples, but it will add on and add on. And then we, we watch news and the news starts putting. We don't read the word. We watch the news. And that starts adding to it. And social culture starts adding it to it. And we live a life of offense. And somebody comes by and just bumps you a little bit and you explode. 
watching a story of a young man the other day, true story, that he, a few years ago, they rated him as one of the upcoming voices within the United States in the political sphere. He would probably be a voice for human rights and things. But from the word go, this young man talked about everything that was done to him, the bad stuff that happened to him, the hatred he had to a lot of people around him because of that. And it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew. And it ended up four years later, he's now been in prison for attempted murder. Four years ago, he's an upcoming voice with the government behind people just investing into this young man to become something really successful. But he's also talking about his offense. Four years later, he's up for attempted murder trying to kill somebody. Where does that lead? Where does offense take you? Where will it be if we don't allow that? Lord, I'm getting it out of my heart. Getting it out of my heart. The greatest, why am I talking about this today? Not just because it's in there, but because I believe our church is standing at the breakthrough of something phenomenal. You should see what's happening here on a Friday night with our young people. They're under the power of God. They're lying on the carpet. They're worshiping. They're praising God. Wednesday night, powerful things. Sundays, it's full. We don't have to, like right, the services, the things are just happening. God's doing phenomenal things. But what the enemy will do is he just sparks a little bit of offense. And somebody says something, someone goes, someone didn't greet you, something didn't happen in church, some prayer somewhere, I'm leaving this church, I'm not going to come back here. And what happens, you miss out on what God wants to do. We miss out on God. There's got to be a unity that says, right now, I don't know why you said that. Right now, I don't know why that happened, but I choose to forgive and I choose to operate in a different spirit. Because the moment I do that, something else is going to happen. Something's going to happen in my life. Because Jesus, after he preaches this incredible sermon, talks chapter 7, goes about judging. Stop judging. Get that out of your heart. Now, none of you judge, right? No. Hmm. You know what? Judge isn't always looking down. Judge is also looking up. Judgment is, I'm not worthy of this. Judgment is, also, I don't deserve that. Judgment, judgment goes both ways because I've already made a decision. That's what judgment is. I made a decision way before. So it's not just looking down at something. It's looking up at something, thinking I can't fit into that. The enemy will make you feel that and get you into that place because after Jesus preaches this phenomenal sermon, he goes to the end of this in verse 24 of chapter 7. He says, Therefore, whoever hears the sayings of mine and does them, I will um, like him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain descends, the floods come, and the winds blow, uh, blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for, he had found, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not um, do them, they will be like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. He preaches an entire sermon and he ends with, are you going to do something about it? Are you going to build your house on the rock? And you listen to what I've got to say. Because if you build your house on the rock, I promise you there's going to be rain. There's going to be stuff happening to you and you've got to make a decision. In 20 years of ministry and probably close to 40 years of coming in church, this is the biggest thing that I've ever seen in church mess people up is when they get offended when they don't want to forgive, when they allow Satan to preach something else to them than what he's saying there because it's not good enough, it's not there, I don't deserve it, I don't fit in, I have a problem with this, I have a, and they leave 
and they miss out what God wants to do for them. I definitely promise you I'm going to offend you somewhere. Definitely. I'm going to say something, do something that's going to offend you. And I promise you, as good as you think you are, somewhere you're going to do something that's going to offend me. But in that moment, what am I going to choose? I'm going to choose forgiveness. Not because I want to be better, because that can be also an attitude. You know, I'm better than you. I forgave you. (laughs) You didn't deserve anything. Your heart was evil. But he died on the cross. You're not better. I've heard people like lord their faith over people. So you come and you lock your house or you lock your car and they go, don't you have faith? I was just don't judge. Huh. And then people get offended like, what, what do you mean? Or, or, like, no, I, I, I sleep with my doors all open at night. Don't you have faith? I have such great faith. God takes care of me always. Well, that's great for you, but don't lord that over somebody. We didn't deserve any of this and what we've got. is because Jesus died on the cross to set us free that I can forgive because he forgave me. I'm not that smart. I'm not that perfect. He forgave me. I messed up many times. He forgave me. And because I, he's forgiven me, I can forgive you. Not because I'm better. Not because I'm right. Or because I think that in this moment I'm going to be better than you for what that is. No, because he forgave me. And there will be moments that I turn in front of somebody else. And the previous time when I was hooting or blowing my horn or saying beautiful words out the car. (laughs) Yeah, speaking sign language. (laughs) There was the other time when that was the opposite. Because he forgave me. He says, build your house. And then Jesus leaves after this. I've been trying to get to this. In the next verse, chapter 8, verse 1. When he had come down from the mountain, the great multitude followed him. And behold, a leper came to him, worshiping, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus put out his hand and touched him. So I'm willing to be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Wow. He just preached this phenomenal sermon about life. And a leper comes. I'm wondering how many people were then offended because it's a leper. It's unclean. How did he get his leprosy? Or why did, did he sin? What was the situation? Jesus walks straight out, just puts his hand out, says, come, be healed. I want to give you the key to walking in the supernatural is an unoffended heart. Life of forgiveness. Because that heart dedicated to him I wrote this down yesterday because I didn't want to forget this. And I'll end with a statement. Repentance is all about reconnecting with His perspective. That's not a Sean quote. That's a Bill Johnson quote. But I'll say it enough times eventually you'll just remember me saying it. (laughs) Repentance is about reconnecting with His perception and His perspective. So when I'm talking about today, like, repent. It's not about you being wrong. It's about going, Lord, what is your perspective of this situation? What is your perspective of my life? What is the place that you want? Living from that place, signs, wonders, miracles. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It's easy to live in joy. 
where my heart settled and at peace. And so Philippians 4 says, May the peace of God that goes above all understanding guard your heart and mind. May the what? The peace of God that goes... I want to declare it over you today in this... May the peace of God that goes above all understanding. That means it's not, you can't understand it. The understanding is, Lord, they hate me. They've done it to me. They've done all this, the situation. And God says, forgive. And you go like, Lord, it doesn't make sense. I forgive. And the peace of God that goes above all understanding will guard your heart and mind. There's something to go meditate on. There's something to go eat this week. Because we want to live a life, no worries, freedom. I don't want to worry about tomorrow anymore. I don't want to worry if we have enough money to pay this church, rent, or we don't have enough money to, to sort out. all that. That's my, my world. You might have a different budget. I have a budget that looks a bit different every month that needs to be paid, that needs to be in that place. And, and I promise you, most of the time, by the end of the month, on the last Sunday, I am literally like, Lord, thank you. And I'm prophesying and I'm praying, just like you for your budget. Pray for my budget. I'm praying for this church. I'm making sure, Lord, get, we need to pay all the stuff. Make sure it's there. And I'm praying. And, and the beginning of this year, God said, I want to teach you something different because I can't take you out of that. I want to show you something that's going to get you to a place where you don't worry at all. Right? I don't, I'm not worried at all. I'll be anxious for now. I'm not completely there, but I'm seeing some stuff. I'm like, do I really believe he's good? Because if I really believe he's good, I wouldn't worry one bit about the end of the month. I've done my part. I've done everything right, and I've just given it to him. Because I know God will take care of me. But if my heart's full of anger and disappointment and hurt, I question him because it's not according to my justice. And so offense keeps me from truly believing he's good. Did you get the sermon? That was, that was the line. When you take that, we don't worry about tomorrow. Let's stand. Come on, we can't just be hearing something. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit. We're going to take two, two, three minutes. Allow the Holy Spirit to take the Word and cement it into your heart. Because you've got to take this today. You can't, you can't walk out of here not receiving what this Word is for your life. Holy Spirit, you flow in this place. You're setting people free right now. Those worries that want to come sit on our shoulders. God, you want to remove it right now. Says, come to me, all who are thirsty. Another piece is, Lord, you said, come to me, all heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Some of you, you've been working so hard, you've been pushing in so hard to try and make that work and be in that, and a lot of the different things. You're just tired. I stand for that too. I want to raise my hand. I'm, I'm feeling tired. But Lord, you give me rest. You give me peace. And Lord, you said I should not worry about tomorrow. 
stand on your word. I stand on your word. I listen to your voice. I listen to your voice. Don't worry about where it's going to be at the end of the year. Don't worry what that opportunity is. Lord, I've been praying for that thing. I've been believing for that situation. God says, don't worry about it. I will take care of it. I want to start that business. I want to move to a different company. I want to, whatever that may be. God says, stop worrying about that. And just allow me to do it. Trust me. Holy Spirit, just lift fear and worry and things over people. And as people start forgiving, I thank you that their hearts are just released. That offense on that person, that situation, that parent, that child, that whatever that may be this morning, just let it go. Let it go. That, that job you didn't get, that promotion you didn't get, that situation, whatever that may be, let it go. Some of you are offended at yourself that you didn't do it, that you didn't take that step. You didn't be, no, let it go. Let it go. Come on, I can feel something in the spirit breaking right now. Let it go. Just, Lord, I'm giving it to you. I can't do this. I can't sort this out. I can't make it work. I... Just let it go. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And just pray your peace over everyone today. In the name of Jesus. And we thank you for that, Lord, today. May people walk out in this peace and may be part of their prayer life, may be part of their dreams. Holy Spirit, you preach the rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.